0: Welcome in to another edition of the WISports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at WISports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. Apologies, it's been a couple weeks since we got together, since we were able to get out a a podcast. But with the high school football playoffs coming up, heading into week eight, wanted to revisit uh, some playoff-related items, some football playoff-related items that we'll talk about today, including just a refresher on how the playoffs work in Wisconsin, go through some of the details, some of the tiebreakers that come into play, and then also talk about the matchups this week, ones that will impact conference titles, ones that can and will impact playoff qualification. Also preview next week where there's some big-time matchups on the schedule that uh, that we'll be looking at and talking about that will essentially be outright conference championship games. Um Again, we'll just kind of revisit what what the playoff environment looks like right now. Uh, we talked about it in our playoff qualifying report. We talked about it in our projected um, qualifiers and divisional placements that we did earlier this week. But we'll get into it more in, in detail here on the podcast today want to thank our our good friends at the Wisconsin Department of Transportation for sponsoring the WSN podcast. Let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Also, a thank you to B3 Sciences. Are you looking for an athletic advantage for your athlete or team? B3 Sciences is the answer. Originally limited to only Olympic caliber athletes, it is now available to anyone. Increase vertical leap, quickness, speed, and strength through a more effective, efficient, and safer way to get a deeper level of fatigue and more muscle fiber recruitment than many modern workouts. Visit drken.b3sciences.com and take a 30-day no-risk test drive. Technology trusted by the Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago Cubs, LA Clippers, USA Powerlifting, the Kansas City Chiefs, and more. let's dive into playoffs and and what football playoffs mean in Wisconsin. It is the only sport where not every team makes the playoffs. You have to qualify. You have to earn your way in. And a reminder, it is based on your... For 11-player football, let me clarify and qualify that. For 11-player football, playoff qualification isn't based primarily almost exclusively on your conference record. If you win four conference games, you are in to the playoffs. That's how it works. There's one conference in the state, the Lakeland, that does not have seven conference games designated by the WIAA because there are an odd number of teams in the state. So the Lakeland is a seven-team league that does not have a, a paired league so for that league, they only play six conference games, well they have six conference games that count in the standings anyways, because of Flambeau and Rib Lake leaving that league, they only play four conference games, but they do get four fit victories over Flambeau and Rib Lake on their, on their record. Um, so in that league, four gets you in, three gets you a three and three record, in that 99.999% will get any of those teams in in the Lakeland that finish 3-3 three and three because they would get in before any teams that finish 3-4 and four in conference in some of the other leagues around the state. There are a roughly, there's I think, 370 or 369 teams listed as 11-player football teams this year. There are two that are not eligible, uh, Milwaukee... Uh, South opted out, um, and then Kingdom Prep Lutheran and Southeastern or Southwestern East Dubuque are not eligible. Um, there are teams like Flambeau and Rib Lake that have canceled their varsity seasons. East Troy, so there's 370 listed. Essentially, we're playing with around 360 teams that that really are are playing 11 player football. And of those, 224 will make the playoffs. There are seven divisions. There are 32 teams per division. That is 224 teams that make the playoffs. So you can do the math. It's 224 out of roughly 360 that qualify for the postseason. So, again, you win four conference games, you're guaranteed to be in. Then uh, any independent teams, which there are only a couple right now, uh, that finish with six co- with six overall wins get in. But then also if any independent teams finish at 500 overall, they get in before any three and four conference teams. So, for instance, Milwaukee Academy of Science will get in this year because they've guaranteed them see themselves at least a 500 overall record. Um, and then we start getting into tiebreakers. And I, I broke it down on WIS Sports. It's, it's a can be a confusing process to go through all of the different tiebreakers that can and do come into play. Um, Based on the projections that I had done, where I picked the outcomes of every game in week eight and every game in week nine, I had 185 teams finish with a record of over 500 in conference. Then you had, I had Unity finish three and three in league play. And then, as mentioned, Milwaukee Academy of Science would get in as an independent team. So that's 187 teams getting in in kind of that initial wave, if you will. That leaves 37 spots in my projections for teams that finish under 500 in conference. Again, based on my projections, I had 42 teams finishing three and four in conference play. So 37 spots, 42 teams. That's where the tiebreakers come into play and get really interesting. Um, I'll read through those tiebreakers in what they are in just a moment and kind of break them down. But the long and short of it is, the better resume you have, the better chance you have of getting in. Winning non-conference games helps you. <coughs> excuse me, beating uh, teams that are are that finish above you in the play in the conference help you. So, the first and primary um you know emphasis for every team is to win at least four conference games and get into the playoffs that way guarantee themselves a spot if you if you win your conference you also get in but i i don't think even in those conferences where they have the the crossovers um and, and there's only six teams and they play two crossovers that maybe they don't do very well in even in those leagues i don't i don't think it's really possible that someone would go, uh, in, you know, finish three and four and win the conference. Um, but in the, in the criteria, just so, so everyone is aware, um, it could happen that a team could finish three and four, but if they win their conference, they're in because winning your conference gets you into the playoffs. So, uh, I don't think it will happen, but that, that's, that's there. Um, win your conference or finish over 500 you're in then again we we look at independent teams we look at teams that might play a a different number of conference games because of how their conference is addressed and then we really get to the meat of how the tiebreakers will work for what we project is the 42 teams to finish three and four for 37 spots the the first one is the uh, your winning percentage in conference games. Again, everybody finished three and four, so you you skip that one essentially. If more than two teams are still tied, which again we have 42 teams still tied, then it is uh, you rank teams in order of the combined one loss percentage, conference games only of conference opponents they have defeated. Uh, those that have the best combined winning percentage of defeated conference opponents are added to the playoff field. In many cases, a conference lines up where somebody goes 7 and 0, somebody goes 6 and 1, somebody goes 5 and 2, 4 and 3, 3 and 4, 2 and 5, 1 and 6 and 0 and 7. And if that's the case, and it often is, those teams that go 3 and 4 and they beat the three teams below them that would finish 2 and 5 one and six, 0 oh and seven. Um, those teams are kind of at the bottom of the, uh, the list of all the teams that finished three and four. So if you're a three and four team, and let's say you happen to upset somebody, maybe you beat the team that finished four and three, or you beat a team that finished five and two. I mean, we had a situation a couple years ago where Oconomwalk beat Muskego. That was the only conference loss Muskego had. So Muskego was six and one. Oconomowoc beat them, and that really helped Oconomowoc in this. It's not the first tiebreaker step, but in in actuality, for the teams that finished three and four, it is, um, and that got them in. So again, if if you're three and four and you have a win over somebody that you know does does decent in conference, or maybe there's a couple teams that that both both finished three and four, or there's instances sometimes where Three teams all tie at three and four. Um, If you beat one of those other teams that have three or more conference wins, then that usually will help you. If you're one of those that beat teams that had two wins in conference, one win in conference and zero wins in conference, you're going to be sweating it out as we go through the next stages and the next tiebreaker um, procedures. So in my projections that, that I had done, Looking at the tiebreakers, um, there was a number of teams. I think it was around half of them, maybe that, <clears throat> excuse me, were in a situation where they beat the teams that finished with two, one, and zero wins. And you know, if if you beat a team that had more than two conference wins, you were in. And so. It, it kind of, that, that first step is, other than figuring out which teams that is, it's it's pretty straightforward. If you if you beat one of the better teams in your league, you're going to get in. The next qualifying step after that, we, we go through a whole list of criteria. Um, head-to-head is first, which never will come into play because you might have 20 teams still tied at that point and not all 20 teams have played head-to-head. So it's not like, 20 teams are tied. Two of them played head-to-head. So you look at the winner of that one. That's that's not how it works. Um, so that basically does not come into play. There's also result versus a conference champion, which if you beat the conference champion, you already got in, even if you were three and four, based on your combined conference winning percentage of defeated conference opponents. So that one really doesn't, uh, doesn't apply. The next one that does come into play sometimes is... Uh, excuse me, win-loss percentage versus the playoff field as determined by steps 1A through D. Long and short of it, if you beat a team that qualified for the playoffs by winning more than four conference games, then this will help you in that tiebreaker step. And oftentimes, that is a situation where a team beat, in a non-conference game, a team that made the playoffs out of a different league. And there are teams that will get in on that step. Um, Again, your your percentage versus the uh, playoff field. Because most teams, if they're in that tiebreaker situation, most of them have not beaten a playoff team. But in my projections, I had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five teams get in at this step uh, because they had beaten a team that made the playoffs in non-conference. Uh, By the way, those teams being, under my projections, being Chippewa Falls, Waukesha West, Kettlemarine, Lutheran, Ellsworth, and New Glarus, Monticello. Usually we still have to keep going beyond this step to figure out additional tiebreakers. The next one is defeated opponents, conference wins only, overall win-loss percentage. So this is looking at the teams you beat in conference. How did they do overall? Uh, oftentimes, you know, if, if you beat teams in conference, they kind of struggled outside of the league. Maybe they got one conference win. Sometimes, you know, your opponents got a decent win and that helps you. Um, it can, it can really be a benefit if you play a team that, that won or was successful in the non-conference and you play and you beat them in conference play. So that's the next step. In my projections, we had... Uh, a number of teams that, that kind of got in on this step. Um, we had to go to E on the tiebreaker procedures, which is defeated opponents, all wins, overall win-loss percentage. So that now starts to look at also your non-conference games. Who did they play and what was their record? Again, this is kind of taking in a strength of schedule type stuff. Um and we had teams that were eliminated from that point, and the last team that got in was Janesville Craig in my projections, and they got in on this step where they had a, um, uh, a record that was favorable for the defeated opponents, all wins, overall win-loss percentage. There are additional criteria if you have to continue to go down the list, and the next one is a, is an important one Overall win-loss percentage. So that does now at this step of the tiebreakers. This does bring into play your non-conference record. It's your overall win-loss. So if you're still alive and you're still going through that tiebreaker process at this point, and let's say you know you were two and zero in non-conference, that's excuse me going to help you in this step of the uh, of the qualification criteria. There is another step beyond that. First half points allowed per game average through week eight conference games only. So that is how many points did you give up in the first half per game in conference through, the first, um, through week eight. Does not count week nine because those are not reported um, and not available at that time. We have had situations where that came into play. That did you know, eliminate or get teams in, the final step, if still tied after that by some uh, miracle, is a coin flip. I don't recall having uh, anyone, at least in the time that I've been covering this for the last 15 years, I don't recall anyone having to go to the coin flip level. Maybe there was a situation in in years past where they did. I can't recall exactly. Um, But the... That is the final tiebreaker, is a coin flip. And that's kind of wild and crazy. But at some point, you, you've got to delineate somehow. Um, so that is the criteria. It's all posted on the WIAA website. I know sometimes people feel like they, they don't know what it is. They can't find it. They don't know how it works. Um, have had coaches say that in the past as well. If you go to the WIAA website and you go to the sport of football, then on the left side, you go to rules and Regulations. And then WIAA tournament procedures. There's a, uh, a a page, or actually it's a PDF file um, taken from the handbook. It's pages 14 through 21, I believe, uh, that lists the procedures for the playoffs for both 11 player and 8 player. It lists how the state tournament works. It lists um, you know the the factors for. The, the post-season, it lists how scheduling works, how medals are awarded, the plaques that are awarded, the admissions, admissions policies, host school allowance, the finances, ticket allocations, all that good stuff can be found in that document. I use it, reference it frequently um, and well aware of it. So uh, I, I certainly think coaches should be as well or if you're just uh, trying to figure things out and get a better understanding of things, you can go on there and look. The, uh, the playoff qualifying procedures for football are listed there. That is the qualifying procedures for 11-player. I do want to touch on uh, also there is a slightly different process for 8-player. Um, number one, the eligibility is a little different with that enrollment uh, cutoff of 200 on a rolling three-year average. To be eligible for the eight-player playoffs, there are teams that are not eligible for the eight-player playoffs because of that. You have to play at least five uh, varsity conference games. You have to be in um, in any uh, crossovers in uh, in conferences. The qualification, though, is is different um, because of how the conferences are set up. there's are sixteen conferences. The uh, the first criteria that gets you in, or that they evaluate anyways, excuse me, is your overall win-loss percentage with a minimum of five games played. Uh, that, that is the first qualifying criteria. It is not conference record. So it looks at the best overall win-loss percentages for eight-player football teams. And then after that, if they are tied, uh, they, they do have criteria there uh, that you go through. Um, The first one being combined one loss percentage of the opponents defeated. So if you defeated opponents and they had good records, that will help you on that that very first tiebreaker criteria. They go through some some similar steps, including head-to-head, if applicable, win-loss percentage versus qualifying teams, uh, best-defeated Opponents, all wins, combined win-loss per, uh, percentage, which is actually the same as the the step above. Uh, first half allowed, points allowed per game through week eight, and then a coin flip as well. If there's ever any point where two teams are, are tied, um, they go to a little different criteria that looks at common opponents. It looks at uh, head-to-head as well. So eight-player is a different criteria than... Eight, uh, than 11 player, excuse me. Uh, slightly different criteria. We haven't gotten into projecting eight player games because it's just, it's a little more convoluted in terms of which games count. Um, do, you know, do forfeits count? Do replacement games count? How are they factored in? Um, it's, it's certainly in there, but it's just harder to, to track and navigate and figure out exactly which games count, which games don't. Uh, so we have not gotten to that point of projecting eight-player. Hopefully we will uh, and, and have some time to do that. But, again, you can find all those procedures. They're, pu- they're publicly posted. The the coaches should know where they are, but um, they're, they're there. So, again, based on our projections, every team that uh, – excuse me, no teams that finish two and five – in conference play or worse, we'll get into the playoffs. We're still, you know, obviously taking most of the teams that finish three and four, and then going through a bunch of cri- uh, of criteria there um, and tiebreakers. But kind of where we've been at um, it was right around 10, 11 years ago that we first ran into a situation where teams finished. Under 500 in conference and got in. I, I remember pretty significantly. I, I want to say it was 2012, the first year that a team finished three and four in conference and got into the playoffs. Because before that, if you remember, there was different number of teams in each conference, so there was teams that had that played an odd number of games where they would finish either four and three or three and four or maybe, um, you know three and two or two and three, but then there were some teams based on their conference that had an even number of games they would play. And that would, you know, result in teams that finished three and three getting in. And and those were the teams that we used to do tiebreakers on. Were the teams that um you know that had a five hundred conference record. So it, I think it was two thousand twelve. I've I've got a document tracking it. Um, 2012, the first year that teams made the playoffs with a under 500 record. And I remember talking to some coaches at that time and, and telling them, hey, you might not want to turn in your your equipment immediately after the game because based on what we're seeing, there's a chance that, that you could get into the playoffs even if you're three and four. Uh, and that ended up being the case and we've had had some every year except 2016 since then. In 2014, they changed the the tiebreaker a little bit, the order of the tiebreakers. 2016, they changed it. So the first tiebreaker was the uh, combined conference winning percentage of defeated conference opponents. Last year, there were 30 teams, or excuse me, 2021, there were 30 teams that finished under 500 and made the playoffs. Last year, that number was a little bit higher. Um, I want to say it was 35 or 36, maybe 37. Again, I project 37 for this year. So, you know, we're, we're pretty similar to last year. If there keeps being a, a, a defection of teams to eight player, we are getting close to where teams that finish two and five in conference are in play, possibly if things go a certain direction um, I think if if a team made the playoffs at two and five I think that could be the impetus for consideration of changing changing the playoffs a little bit uh, there's already uh, uh, people that that feel that the playoff field should be less I don't like staying with seven teams and uh, excuse me seven divisions in cutting the number of teams that way and you know, going to 16 qualifiers in each of seven divisions, for instance, that really, really cuts down on who gets in. I mean, you're talking basically anyone that finishes four and three or worse is not getting in the playoffs, and there would be teams that finish five and two and, and not get in the playoffs under that scenario. But there are uh, considerations for, you know, do we, with with the proliferation and growth of, of eight-player Do we look at going to six divisions in high school football at 11 player? And that would take it from 224 qualifiers down to 192. And now if you start talking about 192 qualifiers, um, you know, that is 192. We would be back to a situation where every team that's over 500 gets in in just a couple of teams that finish under 500, a couple of teams that finish three and four would get in most likely. So you know that's I think more of a legitimate discussion area. Uh, you would widen obviously the the enrollment gaps, but you know again it would it would be a little bit of a tough pill to swallow if a team got in at two and five in the playoffs because then you know the the people that would like to see all play you know that. That, that argument becomes a little bit uh, a little bit more prominent, perhaps. I'm not an all-play proponent. I have said that a number of times. Um, let's, let's take another chance uh, to thank our, our sponsors, uh, B3 Sciences, and also the Wisconsin Department of Transportation. Help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time to find out more take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov well there are some games this weekend that do have very significant implications not only for conference titles but also for playoff qualification any instances and there's a number of them where you know it's a matchup between teams that are 2 and 3 or a matchup where one team is 3 and 2 and one team is 2 and 3 those are the ones to watch most significantly In terms of who might get in, who might change, you know the the qualifiers, who might push cut lines, those kinds of things, and there's a lot of them. Um, We're probably talking a a couple dozen games that that are like that, where it's again two and three versus three and two, or two and three versus two and three, maybe three and two versus three and two. You know, there's there's several dozen games like that. I'm I'm not going to go through and, and name every one. Um, but those are the ones to keep an eye on. Same thing next week. Um, you know, some of those games where teams are going to enter three and three, both teams are three and three, maybe one team is three and three, one team is uh, two and four. Those are the kind of the the variable games that are hard to pick that could go either way. One team getting uh, a victory and that one could change how things work. Um, you know, I, I will highlight perhaps a couple interesting games that, that are like that. Um, in the Mississippi Valley, for instance, you have Holman and Lacrosse Logan playing. They are both two and three. So the winner gets to that third win and, you know, at least is on the bubble. Now, out of those, if Holman wins and gets to three and three, Holman then plays my Reedsburg Beavers next week. And um, Reedsburg, heading into week eight, has not won a conference game yet. Just stating facts, uh, lots of injuries and, and all kinds of things going on in, uh, in our program. but uh, Lacrosse Logan though would drop to two and four in that scenario of Holman winning and Logan has to play lacrosse Central in week nine. Lacrosse Central's only got one loss in the conference. it was by one point to on Alaska. Central is ranked. Logan's got a solid team um, but you know that would be that would be a tough one. Now if Logan beats Holman, All of a sudden, Logan gets to three and three, and Holman drops to two and four. That scenario could get both of those teams in, potentially. Holman potentially could end up at three and four. Even if Lacrosse Logan loses in week nine, they would be three and four. And that would be two more teams or uh, two teams on that proverbial bubble. I picked Holman in my projections, but if Logan wins, that could steal a berth for lack of a better word if uh if both of those teams end up on the bubble other ones include uh let's see Iowa Grant and Ithaca is an interesting one both those teams are two and three this week in play you've also got a game like Prescott and Ellsworth Prescott was was pretty hot early on Ellsworth kind of struggled um or kind of did well earlier excuse me and uh and has struggled a little bit, but they're both two and three. And depending on how that game goes, and then the week nine follow-up for both those teams, that could end up with either one or both of those teams on the bubble. So those are the kind of games that you want to watch if you're if you are a bubble team and you want to see who else might be, you know, in a scenario or in a situation similar to us, or if you are a team that's close to a division cut line and you're trying to find out, okay. How many teams above us in enrollment are going to make the playoffs? How many teams below us in enrollment are going to make the playoffs? Um, that is uh, a significant part of it as well. Uh, so we have, I, I have already had a number of uh, coaches reach out, you know, who's going to get in? What about this game? How will that impact us? And that's uh, that's that's a part of it. So uh, all things to keep an eye on. And that's, you know, kind of the, the interesting part about it is that there's so many variables. There's so many games that can come into play and impact playoff qualification for somebody else. Because as we talked about with the tiebreakers going all the way down to where they do, a game between two teams that aren't going to make the playoffs could impact the tiebreaker number for somebody else, whether they get in or not, and thus impact whether you know teams end up up a division or down a division, it's just so fascinating to me all the variables that that go into it because let's be honest, we've had situations, I think, where teams are right on that divisional cut line and they end up as perhaps the biggest team in a division and they go on to win state. And, you know, if they ended up as the smallest team in the other division up, how does that change things? Obviously, there would be a different champion in that original division, would that team that bumps up, would they go on to win a state title in a higher division? So, again, a a game between non-playoff teams in Week 9 because of tiebreakers and determining who gets in and then where the divisional cut lines go can impact who wins state titles in the state of Wisconsin. That's fascinating to me. That's that's wild and crazy, but I, I love it. Uh, I love the fact that you have to win your way in, you have to qualify, Um, it it adds interest and excitement to the end of the season uh, in these last couple weeks, so I I love it, Uh, I think it's awesome. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the conference titles that are up for grabs, that have really significant games this weekend first, and then we'll talk about next weekend, but... Uh, this weekend, there are four games between teams that are undefeated in their conference right now. Not quite a, def- uh, a championship game, but pretty darn close. You've got in the Great Northern, you've got Medford in Mosinee. Both teams are 5-0. and Edgar and Auburndale are both 5-0 and in the Merrowwood. Kiwani and Southern Door, both 5-0 and in the Packerland. That is our quick trip in wisconsin Dairy game of the week. That's where I'll be heading this week, making the... Over three-hour trip up to Kiwani on the southern Door Peninsula, southern southern part of the Door Peninsula. Looking forward to that one. Not so much looking forward to the drive, although hopefully you know we'll see some good colors on the way. Uh, and then also in the Lakeland Conference, Hurley and Grantsburg. I mentioned this is a league where is an imbalanced number of teams, so they've only played four conference games to this point, but both are four and zero. there are a number of other games where the one team is 5-0 and one team is 4-1. Those include O'Connell Falls versus Crandon out of the Northwoods Conference, Homestead against Cedarburg in the North Shore, Two Rivers and New Holstein in the Eastern Wisconsin, big one in the Classic Eight, and we'll talk about the Classic Eight a little bit later as well, Kettle Moraine versus McGuanagoe, Luther and Bangor in the Scenic Bluffs Conference. We talked a lot about Bangor and Cashton, deservedly so. They had a huge matchup a couple weeks ago. But Luther's sitting there at 5-0 right now. However, they play Bangor this week, and they play Cashton next week. In the CWC Large, you have Stratford and Waiwiga Fremont. The FVA, perhaps the, best, the, the the last best chance for somebody to knock off Kimberly, although they do have Appleton North next week. But Cocona, one of the teams chasing Kimberly... Cocona is 4-1, and one. Kimberly is 5-0. and oh. um, The thing is, even if Kimberly wins this one and loses to Appleton North, Kimberly will win the FVA because Cocona would have two losses and everybody else already has at least two losses. So this is a chance for Kimberly to wrap up the conference title, outright conference title, no matter what would happen next week. In the Southeast Conference, Franklin and Indian Trail meet up. Franklin's undefeated, Indian Trail one loss. The Metro Classic, Lake Country Lutheran, got a big win over Racine St. Catharines last weekend. They get Watertown Luther Prep, who's 4-1 this week. In the Northeastern Conference, Luxembourg-Casco, 5-0. Fox Valley Lutheran, 4-1. In and and a few other scenarios where teams are both 4-1 and, and tied atop the league standings right now, Nielsville, Granton, and Regis. They're two of the three teams tied atop the Clover Belt right now. Hillsboro and Highland, that's a Saturday game. Both those teams are 4-1 and one in the Ridge and Valley. This is the last year for the Ridge and Valley as an 11-player football conference. Hillsboro and Highland both compete outside of the Ridge and Valley in every other sport. So uh, a little bit ironic perhaps that the Ridge and Valley final Ridge and Valley title as an eleven player league will be won by a non-Ridge and Valley core team. And then the South Central Conference, Wisconsin Dells, and Adams Friendship, both four and one. That does include crossover results as well. I know there's some controversy or uh, you know, whatever about how those those crossover games are counted. Um that's determined by the league for, I guess, their official, their historical purposes or identification or whatever. The WIAA, for qualification and, and everything else, they have those games, those crossover games, which are mandatory crossovers between conferences. They count. So we count them in our standings. Um, the, the conference has to assign a designated conference champion. Um, But for for those ones, it does count. So again, some interesting games with conference title implications this week. As we look ahead to next week, there are six games between teams that are right now undefeated in conference play. I I looked back at last year. I was kind of curious how it it shook out. There was a few more last year, actually. Um, Looking at what we had last year, there were seven games in week nine where both teams were undefeated in conference play so we were talking a a true conference championship game in the final week of the season now these are games that are again the teams are undefeated right now there's nothing to say that you know all of those are going to end up staying in that situation or that they're all going to end up you know happening as undefeated matchups but we talked about the Scenic Bluffs Conference. Luther right now undefeated, but has a big game this week against Bangor. And potentially, then, that undefeated showdown with Cashton in Week 9, where both teams would be undefeated. Again, that's assuming Luther beats Bangor. In the Flyway Conference, a huge one for a lot of reasons, but you know, if, if this holds up, you're talking about one of the bigger games in the Fond du Lac area. Certainly, um... You know, in terms of regular season and, and everything with uh, the Flyway Conference, Winnebago Lutheran and St. Mary Springs potentially meeting in week nine, both undefeated overall, both undefeated in conference, both going for that Flyway Conference title. Crosstown rivals, you've got the Catholics at Springs versus the Lutherans at Winnebago Lutheran. Just would be a great situation if, if, that, uh, if that happened. In the Big Rivers Conference, Hudson is undefeated in league play. New Richmond is currently undefeated in league play. If they win this week, you would have that showdown in the Big Rivers. FRCC North, West Appear, undefeated in league play. Bayport, undefeated in league play. In the Metro Classic, or excuse me, in the, yes, in the Metro Classic, right? No, Midwest Classic, I'm sorry. Midwest Classic, they changed some teams around a couple of years ago, um, between the Metro and the Midwest. But in the Midwest Classic, Kenosha St. Joseph is undefeated. They're the top-ranked team in Division Six. Racine Lutheran is currently unbeaten in league play as well, and those teams will meet up next week. With all of that said, some great matchups, especially, I I think, uh, that Springs and Winnebago-Lutheran game. The game of the week could potentially be Muskego versus Kettle Moraine. Miskeego is undefeated. They already beat McGuanago. They already beat Arrowhead. You know, it looks like they are going to uh, finish undefeated, most likely. Now it's not you know not set in stone. It's not a cakewalk for Miskego. In fact, they have a tough matchup this week against uh Oconomowoc. And we just have to go back a couple years to Oconomowoc upsetting Muskego. It Was the only loss in the regular season for Miskego. It was the victory that got Okanemuk into the playoffs. They made the playoffs as a three-and-four team on the backs of, or on the back of beating, Mesquiteo, when it came to all the tiebreaker procedures. Those teams, by the way, ended up playing in uh, the first round of the playoffs as well. Okanemuk was the eight seed. Muskego was the top seed. So again, not an easy game for Mesquiteo. And Walk has played well. They had a tough one with, uh, uh, with McGuanagoe last week. It was 28-21. O- Oconomowoc is essentially fighting for its playoff life at this point. They also have to play Arrowhead in Week 9. So, you know, they'll be scrambling. So that's a big game. But again, Muskego has the potential to end the season undefeated, heading into Week 9. And Kettle Moraine, huge one against McGuanagoe this week, um, where Kettle Moraine is currently undefeated. Um, No matter what happens in this one, or no, excuse me, no matter what happens this week, even if Kettle Moraine and Muskego both lose this week for some reason, that week nine game is still a huge one. It still will determine conference championship. Um, That's one of the reasons I I had a a question uh, why we did not pick this week Kettle Moraine and McGuanagoe as a game of the week nominee. And it's because no matter what would happen in the Kettle Moraine and Maguanago game next week is an even bigger game between Kettle Moraine and Muskego. Whether both those teams are undefeated, whether one of them has one loss, whether both of them have one loss, that's still a bigger game because of the timing, the end of the season, everything else. So that's why we didn't, uh, didn't have KM and Maguanago this week. There are also some games next week where teams will be uh, as of right now. Excuse me, where as of right now, a team will be is is undefeated, and they're playing a one loss team in week nine. Um, Aquinas and West Salem. Aquinas is currently undefeated. West Salem has one loss in the Cooley Conference. Boyceville is undefeated. Spring Valley has one loss in the Dun St. Croix. In the Northeastern Conference, talked about uh, Luxembourg-Casco having a big game this week uh, against Fox Valley Lutheran. They win that one. They're guaranteed at least a share of the title, but they would have to earn it outright against Wrightstown, who currently has just one conference loss. In the Parkland, Catholic Memorial is 5-0. Tosa West, 4-1. Nice little rebound year for, uh, for the Trojans. Auburndale... Again, they play Edgar this week. Could, you know, could come out with a loss. But as of right now, Auburndale is undefeated. Colby has one loss. They would play in Week 9, do play in Week 9. O'Connell Falls is 5-0 and in the Northwoods Conference. Alex Haynes went for over 400 yards rushing for them last week. They take on Krivitz next week, who has just one loss. Badger undefeated in the Southern Lakes. Westosia Central got knocked off last week by Waterford. So a little bit of a, a wrinkle there, but... West Coast Central Badger could be for the conference title in the uh, the Southern Lakes Conference, and then we will have no matter what happens, we will have essentially a Milwaukee City Conference cha- or Milwaukee City Championship. Um, those matchups are not determined. Uh, the Milwaukee City Conference is the only league that that does their crossovers a little differently. They wait to play their crossovers until Week Nine, where they then match up. 1st place in the Blackburn division versus 1st place in the Richardson, 2nd versus 2nd, 3rd versus 3rd, and so forth. Um, and that essentially, again, creates a Milwaukee City Conference championship game. So right now, Milwaukee King is on top of the uh, the Richardson division. Washington and Pulaski are tied atop the Blackburn division. But that's definitely one to highlight, that City Conference uh, championship. Um, have had some, some questions about the City as well. they're... To my knowledge, nothing is different this year than what they've done in the past. But again, because they play that week nine crossover for everybody, it, it, it it's a little different um, because then they have to have non conference games during weeks three through eight, because they have seven teams in the Blackboard, and seven teams in the Richardson. Um, so they play some non conference games. Most of them are non conference, excuse me, crossovers. Weeks three through eight. So you have, you know, for instance, Milwaukee Vincent has six conference games in already. Um, so they have a non conference game this week, technically, and then that conference game in the uh, final week. Milwaukee Reagan, similar situation. They have a non conference game this week, and then we'll have that crossover that counts in the standings next week. And as you can imagine, Vincent plays Reagan this week in that non conference crossover. So hopefully that's all clear as mud. Everybody's still following along. Everybody's still uh, tuned in and, and understanding kind of what, what the environment and what the, the playoff picture looks like. Um, if you have questions, and people do this frequently, let me know. You know, Tweet at me, send me a message, send me an email, whatever it might be. Uh, do my best to, to answer and, and clarify any situations. Uh, you can also, again, you can check out that Um, that playoff document that the WIAA has on their website, go to sports, then football, then rules and regulations on the left side, and then WIAA tournament regulations. And you can check out the, the language there. The long and short of it is it's a fun and exciting time for high school football as you have all kinds of conference races still hanging in the balance. You have some de facto conference championship games this week and next week. And then you have a lot of teams scrambling to try to get qualified for the playoffs, try to improve their tiebreaker number, perhaps, try to uh jockey for position when it's going to come to seeding. You know, if, if you're if you're three and two this week, and uh or let's say you're you're four and one even, whatever it might be, like you still have a lot of reason to win, obviously. Number one, you should try to win every time you're out there. Number two, you want to finish high in the conference stand as, as you can, just from a, a local conference level. And every win you get helps you in seeding. Uh, a, a week eight game when two teams are eliminated from the playoffs might not have an impact on the conference race, but for those teams, it could have an impact on getting a home game in level one of the playoffs or having to go on the road. So every win's important. Every win helps you in that seeding criteria. Speaking of seeding, we are going to spend time next week talking about that, um, what goes into it, how it works, and what doesn't go into it. Perhaps that's as much uh, as, as anything um, of what is not in the seeding criteria. So we'll we'll spend some more time on that next week. We'll also review some of the other scenarios now that we'll know uh, more, you know, firmed up for week nine. To give you an idea of, of how things will work and what kind of content we have coming out over the next week, after all the week eight games are in, we will first produce our playoff qualifying report, which again looks at... What teams are in? What teams have gotten to four conference wins and guaranteed themselves a playoff spot? What teams have gotten to three conference wins? So that means heading into week nine, (coughs) excuse me, they are three and three in conference. We call them on the bubble. What teams are in that situation? And then what teams are, you know, need to win to get on the bubble Uh, that would head into week nine at two and four? So we kind of lay out where things are at. Once that's done, then we'll go through the process of doing our projections. We're going to look at where things, where we think things will be, who we think will win week nine matchups, which will then allow us to determine again uh, where uh, all the tiebreakers will fall, who the qualifiers are, and ultimately put together a new projection after week nine based on actual results from week eight to see who is in, what tiebreakers had to be applied, and who is left out, and then significantly, where the divisional cut lines will fall. I, I should uh, maybe just highlight that real quick. I should have mentioned it earlier, but um, the projections that we did before the season started are pretty pretty close to what the projections are after Week 8. I, I don't know that there was anything too wild and crazy of that cut line moving up or down. I mean, Wanakee is going to be Division II. That's 98%, I would say. Um, you know, Catholic Memorial is going to be D4. One interesting note on the D3, D4 cut line will be West Salem. Last year, they ended up as the smallest Division Three school. Right now, we project them as the biggest D4. But obviously, that is a very tenuous situation. Uh, you know, it's probably 50-50, whether they end up in D3 or D4 um, Columbus is going to be D5 easily, uh, not even close. Aquinas is, you know, close-ish on that D5, D6 cut line. That would be an interesting one that we'll be watching. And also they are tied with Durand with a enrollment figure of 307. So you would have to then go to a tiebreaker number. Um, and I will, I will post this as well, but I did, uh, so, so the tiebreaker, if teams tie... Right, so you know, the 32nd largest team in Division Five in this case, and two teams are tied with 307, let's say it's Aquinas and Durand. The tiebreaker is the actual number for your third Friday count in September this year because all of the enrollment figures used for playoff application and divisional placement for all sports, not just for football, but for all sports all year. Are actually the numbers the schools recorded the third Friday in September of 2022. So they're using last year's enrollment numbers to determine this year's uh, divisions, but the tiebreaker is where things were at this year. And Aquinas is 318 on theirs, Durand is 313. So if those teams tied, On that D5, D6 cut line, Aquinas would go up, Durand would go down. Uh, I did also get the number for Winnebago Lutheran and New Holstein, who are 319. I don't think that D5, D6 cut line will go that high, but just in case, I did get that number. Winnebago Lutheran is 337, New Holstein's 327. So in the event they tied on the cut line, New Holstein would go down. Winnebago Lutheran would go up. Uh, and then looking at D six, D seven, Regis, we have them as the second smallest, or excuse me, second largest Division seven school. So there is a, a, a chance that Regis would go to Division six. There's a chance that Blackhawk, Bangor, Edgar could go D six. I mean, those are four of the top. Uh, five teams right now, I think, in our our, uh, rankings, along with Pep and Alma in there. So some of the better D7 teams are close to that cut line, but I I don't know that that's going to move much. The D7 line usually doesn't move as much as some of the other divisions do. Um, But if you want to check it out, again, we break that all down in our playoff projections. Um, So we'll do our projections again after week nine. I don't know if that will come out on Sunday. It might be Monday, depending on how many tiebreakers we have to go through. When I had to do 42 teams tiebreakers manually, I, I do not have it. Do not have a way to program it. Um, it was not not very fun. So we'll see how long that process will take. So again, playoff report probably Saturday, maybe Sunday morning. Our projections Sunday, maybe into Monday. Um, and then next week, our, our weekly preview is going to be a little different. In week nine, I always do a preview looking at every conference and every team. Where do they stand heading into the final week of the season? Who's clinched? Just lynched, list those. It's, it's very easy. Here's the teams that are already in. Here's the teams that are eliminated. And then for the bubble teams, you know, what is their scenario? Um, if a team is 3-3, three and three, let's say... And they win, they're in, obviously, that's easy. But if they lose, where are they at in the tiebreaker? What, what are they looking at in terms of you know, where they may fall on combined conference winning percentage of defeated conference opponents? Do they have a good non-conference victory that will help them? We break all of that down for every single team in the state, whether they're clinched, out, or if they're on the bubble, what is their scenario? So that will be out uh, early next week as well. Um, and then waiting to see on, you know, what, what plans are going to be for Friday night, what plans are going to be for this weekend with the, uh, the playoff qualifying or excuse me, with the playoff reveal show uncertainty around that, there is a good chance that we will bring back something that, that some people, some people like, some people probably get sick of listening to me anyway, but. There's a chance we'll bring back our Friday night live stream as I break down the qualifiers and you know put together the uh, our projected unofficial playoff field, especially if the WIAA is not going to post that or announce it until the the reveal show on Saturday. Um, we might bring that back and 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 do that uh, Friday night. Uh, people can join in and, and watch on our Facebook page and interact. Then we'll also get the playoff projections out earlier to see who we think is going to be in. See if there's uh, ultimately then when the field is released on Saturday, if there are any inconsistencies as we have seen in the past with what we think it is and what the WIAA has there's been a couple of times where they weren't the same, um, and we had to provide a correction for what they had officially. There was one time where because a we had a game that was marked wrong in our system that I made a mistake. It was the first mistake I'd made in 12 or 14 years of doing it um, that I made a mistake. So my field was different than what the WIAA had. So, but again, we'll, we'll get some more information about that where, um, you know, what we'll be doing Friday night. If, if we'll do the live stream, you know, we'll have that all posted. So, a busy week for sure as we head into the final week of the season with many conference titles on the line, many playoff hopes on the line. Fun, exciting, and you know we're finally getting to some football weather, which is good. Uh, feels like football a little bit more, and uh, and excited for uh, for that. So week eight is here. We're not very far from week nine, which means we're not very far from the high school football playoffs. Let's remind you out there to help save lives on Wisconsin roads, the life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, if you've been listening this long, let's let's do a, a little bit of a giveaway here. Uh, I've got some Quick Trip gift cards left over from our great partners at Quick Trip. And if you are listening at this time, the first person that contacts me on Twitter, let's say, at Travis WSN, first person that contacts me with the code word, let's say playoffs, just playoffs. That's the only, only thing you're going to send. Tweet at me, playoffs. First person to do so, I've got a $25 gift card to Quick Trip from our great friends at Quick Trip for you. Playoffs. At Travis WSN. First person to do that. I've got a $25 gift card to Quick Trip that I'll get you out in the mail. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you following along. We're approaching an hour on today's edition of the WSN podcast. Had a lot to get to and a lot to get through. Uh, So again, appreciate you joining in. It's a fun time of the year. and It's an exciting time of the year. Get out to a game. Support the players. uh, For thousands of high school football players. They are almost done. They will play their final game in Week Nine of the high school football season. It's a sad and, and bittersweet time. Um, it's you know, it's, it's probably along with injuries and dealing with you know kids that that get hurt and can't can't get out there, and as well as some of the off the field stuff that happens. You know, of, of people getting in trouble or the controversies or whatever. The end of the season and the end of the careers for high school athletes is, is is the worst part of what we have to do of seeing kids come through and then moving on. Um, they move on to great things they move on to do other things in, in other sports. they move on to be really good people. We've gotten a chance to, to know some of them and many of them have come back and are now in coaching but it's uh, it's the, the saddest part of what we have to do is say goodbye to those those uh, players that, that move on the next chapter of their lives so certainly a bittersweet time of the year but get out support a game uh, support your local team support those seniors as they head out the final time onto the high school football field that will do it though for today for our WSN podcast I am Travis Wilson we'll see you at a game